What's up, dirtbags? Welcome to episode 248 of the Midwest Angler Podcast. I'm Scott Sturman, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Deitch. Matt, what is going on? Happy New Year. Happy New Year 2024. We're back to an even year, so. Yep. Yeah. I God dang it, I hadn't seen you since last year. I know. It feels like forever ago. It feels like a whole year. Jeez, I, that was, I loved it. That a lifetime I ago. No, seen can, you do anything year. wild for New Year's? Yeah. Uh, well, I... Uh, we went up to Sioux Falls, uh, had a couple errands that we needed to run, uh, swung by Wally World, went to Texas Roadhouse, All right. ate some lunch at Texas Roadhouse, and uh, um, came back, and I believe uh, we we did King's Hawaiian Buns, oh, yeah. uh, slider, sliders, uh, had, yeah. had those, uh, uh, just some deli meat and uh, um, some cheese. We kind of like to get the special deli meat and, and, you know, the special cheeses, throw some mayonnaise on there, a little mesquite barbecue, potato chips, kettle-cooked barbecue, of course. And uh, um, I think we were uh, – I think everyone in my house was in bed by 10. <laughs> that's uh, that's how New Year's rolls. I haven't seen yeah. the ball drop in pff, 10 years probably. Yeah, probably I since know. I quit drinking. Yeah. <laughs> kind of weird how that works. Well, even when you were drinking, you probably never got to see it well, drop there was, either. But. There was one night I didn't get to because I freaking slipped on the ice heading up to Casey's at my oh, old right. place. I, yeah. I, the alleyway. Uh, I went up the alley and there was Casey's. Slipped on the ice, bopped my head pretty good. I was knocked clean out. I, I shouldn't even be telling this stinking story, but I'm going to because I'm already in it. But <laughs> I, rem- I, I remember walking into Casey's and uh, uh, the lady behind the counter looked at me like I freaking had a, I, I don't know, freaking raccoon on my head or something like that. And uh, got back down to my place and everyone's like, oh, Scott, you're bleeding everywhere. <laughs> I, I had bit it <laughs> just a couple too many That's because that casey's pizza is so damn yeah, good you just yeah. still i imagine i was going up there to buy cigarettes or probably pizza or probably more beer or mixture of all of it or something but uh yeah i don't know i think i got knocked clean out in the alleyway and kept going because it's new year's eve and That's there's right. beer to be drank <laughs> beer to be drank yeah i haven't seen the ball drop in a long time yeah. either, so i was Whatever. i was sleeping by 10 i know that for sure nice uh, this week's episode uh, is brought to you by Dakota Angler in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, Josh, Todd, and the guys uh, offer the best mom and pops bait shop uh, here in the Upper Midwest. Uh, great selection, uh, big box store selection, uh, small bait shop feel. Uh, when you when you walk in there, it feels like you're actually walking. It's it's got the smell. That's the key yes. to any bait shop is you got to have the smell. If you don't have the smell of half uh you know a, a little little bit of dead minnows and and uh you know maybe some frogs and whatever you ain't no real Just, bait shop no i mean you gotta have the smell that's yeah you bring up a great point like you you walk into a place i don't want to be able to smell like these lighted candles or no. like all this stuff it's it's like oh yeah i'm in a bait shop like you yep. could you could blindfold, you, could blindfold you. You, you know where you're in at. And you're like yeah hell yeah you do angler, so. yep yep no but uh uh Ice is actually on the horizon now for sure for uh, us here in the tri-state area especially. Uh, We've got some single digits uh, coming down the pipe in the 10-day forecast. So if you are in need of some stuff before the ice actually officially kicks off, 
head on over to Dakota Angler. Uh, they've got Ion Ice Augers for sale right now. Uh, if you need yourself an auger, obviously lots of tackle. Uh, if you need to restring those, uh, restring line, um, if you need to get yourself just a couple more custom or custom couple more tungsten jigs uh, before the season everything you need right there at dakota angler if you can't make it in because you're not from this area www.dakotaangler.com that's exactly right and use code dirtbag dirtbag just think of matt think dirtbag that freaking yep. dirtbag that's you all you gotta save do yourself 10 percent. yep that's the only good thing matt will ever do for you hey and you know what else it's Todd's birthday today it is. while we're recording this, January 2nd. Happy so. 74th, Todd. Yeah. Happy looks, 74th. I will say he looks pretty good for being 75 years old. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't look a day over 71, really. No, really. No, I, I mean, don't know what he, he's been he doing. He carried but, it well. He carries it well, so. I mean, it must be the Ice Institute that just keeps him young. All <laughs> that is exactly that what it in, is. All walking, yeah. Those orthopedic shoes. Well, and he takes it easy all the time. He's not really ever doing much. He spends more time on the couch than he really does doing anything else. Well, it keeps you young. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) it. You want to know Todd Heitkamp's secret? Spend more time on the couch. Less time. Make Josh and Nick work more. That's not a bad idea right there. I like that. That's that's why I had him. Yep. Yep. (laughs) But no, stop in there. See all those guys over there, very knowledgeable crew. I was in there that one night a while back, and uh, one of the young guys they had working really helped you know help me out. Yep. And, you know, if you had any questions, he's right there, really willing to answer them. So uh, stop in there and uh, know that you're going to get the best service around. Heck yeah. Feels good to know that there's actual some actually some real ice coming. Yeah, it does. Like like we kept talking about it, and you look at the extended forecast, and I mean. Our extended forecast ain't going to be like crazy cold like it has been in years past, but yep. but now it's like, okay, we're getting cold enough, and it hasn't been real windy where it's like stuff can cap over. I mean, our pond in town here today, I don't know if you saw that. that the I fountains, don't know what the hell they did there. Right. The fountains aren't going anymore. I don't know if they have the aerators going or not, but all of a sudden that thing, like as soon as they, that thing was wide open the other day, and now it's completely, you know, capped over. So uh, we start getting them colder temps at night. Uh, we're getting into the teens and stuff. Yep. We'll start building some nice strong ice here. Yep. Yeah. Honestly, uh, we've got, you know, thir- low thirties, you know, 32, 30, 34, uh, come in here. But, uh, after that, I mean, uh, we're, we're getting down into the teens overnight and then, uh, um, we've got a couple days, uh, here in the 10 day forecast towards the end there where, you know, highs of 20, 21 and, and lows da- even down into the single digits, like, we're 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 finally gonna be making some ice. I saw something crazy the other day where it said something like, uh, "What is it? We're like thirty eight days away from the sun going down at seven o'clock again." Well, I believe that. So uh, I like, think I think in the month of January, like we gained forty forty minutes of sunlight. Right. I mean, that helps put everybody in a better mood. Yeah, it does. It does because. Uh, uh, you know, you and I were kind of talking about it. Uh, we we need some ice. We need people in better mood yeah, because we, uh, we need to, Facebook's we, been a little freaking cutthroat lately. Yeah, we need people to start arguing over the size of fish again instead of like how thick the ice is or where. Bring a boat. That's bring this, a boat. That's that's bring the, a boat. The 2023-24 motto is bring. They a can't boat. even wait to say it. Like, yeah. dude, shut the up. <laughs> yeah. Like, bring a boat. Bring, bring a, a boat. boat. You know, people just ask. Bring a boat. You mean you mean out of a boat? 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like the year of the boat, I guess. Oh my god! I, mean, I don't know. Everybody, everybody's getting a little antsy out there, and like you said, everybody's getting after each other pretty bad online. Yeah. I mean, I think I saw some post today on one of the ice fishing pages that they said that they're taking all the commenting off, like or like Red Lake. They've had to rescue people a few yep. times, so you know, it's it's a serious thing. I mean. It is scary. I mean, people got to get rescued off of there. And, you know, we always talk about that early ice. It changes. You never know what's going to happen. But, man, people are just saying some nasty stuff on there. So, when, And the other thing, uh, uh, you know, you know, people asking for current ice conditions and, and people just, you know, getting stupid. Why don't you go out and find out for yourself? Well, what, what you got to realize, guys, and, and that's mainly uh, the South Dakota Ice Fishing page, but uh, you've got a lot of people, you know, from down in the Omaha, Nebraska yep. area, down from the southern Iowa area, you know, different states that travel to northeast South Dakota because it is a destination. These people are bringing fat wallets with, you know, they're coming to spend money. They're Keep going to buy things open. Exactly. They're going to be buying steak suppers, full tanks of fuel, nights in hotel rooms. Lots of bait. $100 non-resident fishing licenses in your freaking state. And they're driving five, six, seven, ten hours to get there. It is not wrong of them to ask for current ice conditions. I get that there's a lot of people asking for current ice conditions. But A, if, if you don't want to answer them all, just keep fucking scrolling. Yep. Just keep doing it. You're, you're, you're cool. You're tough enough to do it. I, I believe in you. I believe in you. Just keep freaking scrolling. But, but for Pete's sakes, like, good God, I, I, yeah, whew. it's just, it's you, just you know what really, I'm saying? It's just been really bad this year. Like, yeah, like you get used to that, like some of the comments and everything, but it's just bring a boat. I don't know. Everybody, bring a boat. you can tell everybody needs a little bit more time on the ice and a little less time on the social media. So, Or somebody needs a freaking five-finger tap dance on their freaking well, forehead. That's what I mean. You never know who you're going to who you're gonna say that to. You set the wrong person off, and all of a sudden they run into you. Like, it happens, guys. It, don't get me wrong. You're going to be out there yep. fishing on a lake someday, and all of a sudden you, you're going to – somebody's going to come up. You're that dumb motherfucker and, that told me to <laughs> yeah, bring a boat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got a boat right here. Right? Put one of these in your suck hole, pal. <laughs> yeah, and and some of these guys aren't afraid to do it. So, no, nope, nope. so I we just we just all need to have a little bit more patience. With you each want other. you want to know what'll put people in a good mood? What's that? Big damn bluegills. That, uh, they put me in good mood. Yep, and uh, the king of the big bluegills, Jesse Thalman, gonna be our guest today on episode two forty eight. Uh, Jesse is up. Uh, up in the Otter Tail, uh, is it Otter Tail County or Otter yeah. Tail Lakes region, well, or is the is county Otter, Otter Tail Lakes, or how do the hell does the that The county all is work? Otter Tail County. Otter Tail County. And there is Otter Tail Lake. And, There's and, an Otter Tail Lake in yeah. Otter Tail County, yeah. and then they call it the Otter Tail Lakes region. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. It's a whole lot of otters. <laughs> whole lot of otters. They ain't got no tails left, neither. But uh, we're going to get over to Jesse. Uh, we're going to talk big bluegill, uh, big, huge crappie, and uh, everything that uh, that Jesse has to offer up there. And today's guest is Jesse Thalman. Jesse, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Well, always fun to have somebody new on the show. Yeah, you bet. Uh, first timer here. Uh, have you done a lot of podcasts before, Jesse? You know, I've only done a handful of them, I guess. Uh, I've done um, a couple of them in the past, but not a not a ton of them, I guess. So. Well, we're, we're excited to have you on. You know, when people really think about big bluegills uh, uh, in the state of Minnesota especially, uh, you, you've got to be one of the front runners uh, that people think about. Uh, um, you know, it's it's a pretty special thing that you got going there. And, uh, yeah, we Matt and I have, have talked a long time. Looking through the text messages when I messaged you to, to get you going, I think last or two years ago maybe right after the Ice Institute I talked to you a little bit. But, I don't know, yes. life, life gets crazy and uh, whatever. But we, we got you on now, so so we're pumped up about it. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we, worked out. Yeah. <laughs> we, we always like to uh, get the show started off with a couple of random questions. I want to know, Jesse, what is your favorite movie? Wow, what is my favorite movie? Yep. Um, that's a good question. Um, I like uh, Ladder 49. Ladder I've really right. been into like fire fighting movies, I guess, growing up. So like I would say Backdraft or Ladder Forty Nine would be my two favorites, I guess. I like that. Yeah. That's uh, badass. No, don't granted, no, give me a little bit of grace here. I'm not a huge movie guru. I don't watch a ton of movies, so my uh my selection's probably limited on options, but uh no, I, no, I those are solid choices. Two that come to mind, I guess. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I, I'm kind of similar. Uh I don't watch a ton of movies, but the ones that I do watch I like to watch about eighty times. <laughs> all right i guess mine is uh if you're going to a restaurant uh what's your go-to appetizer you a nacho guy what you what do you what are you ordering as an appetizer chicken wings chicken wings all right we or or, hey this is kind of another oddball one but uh brussels sprouts like if they have some really good brussels sprouts really oh yeah i know it's a weird one but yeah. No, so, that's I get down with some Brussels. Sprouts. Well, we're we're gonna dive into those chicken wings. <laughs> chicken wings. Let's go with chicken wings. Well, that's well no, one. no, but we got more questions to ask there. So, you a boneless or traditional? Traditional. Yeah. Gotta okay. Have the bone in. Okay, and and what sauce? You know, um, I kind of like a, a a lot of different ones. Um, so I'll I'll try a little bit of everything. I like dry rubs a lot. I'm really good okay. with the dry rubs, I guess. So. Um, whatever they have, I'll try it, you know? Is that is that just because since it's the appetizer, you don't want to get too messy? So That's I mean, true. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's keeping it clean for the main course. I mean, know? you don't want to have to – it's like a workout, like having to wipe yourself <laughs> down and all that after you get done eating wings because, yeah. I mean, when Scott gets after him, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Barbecue sauce oh, yeah. is everywhere. Yeah, people are still knowing next week what I have <laughs> this week. You, uh, you a ranch or blue cheese? I'd be a ranch guy. All right. You're not old enough to be a blue cheese guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, How old do you have to be? 50. Uh, I'd say 50. I think yeah. we set the – I think we a while back we sent the, set the bar at 50 years old. It seems like everybody that's north of 50 is always going for the blue cheese, and very rarely do we find someone south of 50 that, uh, you know, is going to go with it. Yep. Well, luckily, luckily, I got a few years on the side of ranch yet. So <laughs> good. Um, good. <laughs> all so. your taste buds are gone. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Jesse. Uh, let, let's finally talk a little bit uh, more about you and, and possibly fishing. Uh, tell us where it is that uh, you call home in the world. So I am based out of Henning, which is right in the heart of Ottertail County in West Central Minnesota. 
And, uh, I mean, when, when, when a person's looking at the state of Minnesota, uh, you're the far west side uh, three-quarters of the way up. Would, is that what you would say? I would say, yeah, yeah, between a half and three-quarters of the way up, yep, and okay. on the west side, exactly, yep. So, so like, in, in my mind, when I think northern Minnesota, I'm thinking, like, pine trees and, and I mean, you got a lot of trees there, or is it more farmland? I would say more farmland and lakes than anything. We do have trees, not so many pine trees. You know, you got to go probably another hour north of me to really get into the thick pine tree type, you know, forestry. Um, around here, um, it's, like I said, a lot of farm fields and then lakes. I mean, lakes everywhere. Right. So, um, that's the one benefit of where we're at. We got a ton of lakes, you know, more. So Ottertail County has 1,048 lakes in it alone. Jesus. Um, which is more than any other county in the United States. So we're just, we're lucky. We're blessed to live here. It's, it's, uh, we got endless opportunities. That's more lakes than the state of Iowa. I'm fairly confident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I'm, uh, too many to etch. It's too many to even explore, you know? I mean, like, I, you know, I've lived here my whole life and I've not hit all 1,048 lakes by any means, you know, not even close, you know, so. Realistically, um, how many hold fish? You know, I would say a lot of them do. Really? I mean, obviously there's some that don't, but I would say that there's, you know, I would say the majority of them do hold some sort of fish, you know. Okay. Um, whether, you know, it might just be carp or whatever, but I would say all of them do hold fish. You know, our majority of them, let's put it that way. Are a lot of them just like little pothole lakes, or are they um, kind of some hold a lot of structure to them? Like our lakes down here, there's a lot of them that are just, I mean, unstructureless, just bowls that are, you know, 10 foot deep at the deepest. Right. I would say, you know, being that we have 1,048 lakes, we got a mixture of everything, Every, yeah, right? Yeah. We got your, your shallow sloughs, anything to deep 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 lakes and and tons and and a lot of ones that are just filled with with tons of structure you know whether it be shelves up and down humps you know um you name it so we just got a variety that's the nice thing about having all these lakes you know depending on how you fish or what your type of fishing is there's lakes that accommodate that you know so um you can you can find a lake that that that'll generally fit your your fishing style or or, or would it be you know so Yep. Now, now everyone thinks of Otter Tail County and, and they automatically just think of, you know, the panfish. Uh, I mean, is there, is there good walleye fisheries there, good bass fisheries, or is it really just panfish, the bluegills and the crappies? No, I would say there's everything. Really? And then I go back to having so many lakes, right? So yep. there are a lot of lakes that are panfish driven, but there's a lot of lakes that are walleyes and there's a lot of lakes that, that have northern, you know, are good for northerns or muskies or, you, you know, you name it. We got, we got options, but I would say there's a lot of lakes that hold some really nice walleyes in the area, you know, and that probably gets overlooked because of the, the awesome panfish we have up here. But, uh, you know, we got Otter Tail Lake. I mean, that's like a walleye factory, you know? Um, mm. and so we got, we got good options. Um, but we also have some really good panfish too. So what, what? What is it that makes the giant panfish there? Is it, is it something in the lakes that these panfish are eating? Is it that there's so many lakes that, you know, even, even if a gazillion people would be up there, they just couldn't target them? Like, what, I mean, do you know the science behind it? What, what is it that makes it so I, damn good? You know, I don't know 100%, uh, you know, the, you know, I couldn't tell you 100% that this is the reason why, 
I think it's probably a mixture of a little bit of everything. Um, like you said, uh, and again, we keep going back to this, but the number of lakes kind of spreads out the number of people we have, right? Yep. So Ottertail County does get pressured, believe it or not, but we have a lot of lakes, so a lot of that pressure gets spread out, you know. Um, and, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with how fertile. We have a lot of fertile, shallow, fertile lakes that really – um, seem to hold some really big bluegills, you know what I mean? So, um, and I, again, I don't know exactly what it is, but the forage system's awesome and they just grow really fast, you know, on average, you know, a bluegill on average, mind you, grows about an inch a year. And so we have a lot of lakes in Ottertail County that's right in within the average, but then we have a handful of lakes that are like almost like doubling that average, right? So they're growing like almost two inches per year on some of these like really fertile lakes. So, um, you know, we're just like, like I said, lucky to have them. And um, not all lakes are like that, but we do have a lot of them that are. Now, are most of those lakes public lakes or is there also a lot of private lakes <clears throat> in Ottertail County? I would say there's a little bit of both. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, there are a lot of public lakes. I mean, the DNR is really good about, you know, having accesses on a lot of our lakes. Um, but there are, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, public lakes or private lakes too that are landlocked that that guys couldn't can't even get on you know what i mean so um if you're fortunate to have land around it you're probably pretty lucky but outside of that there's a lot of public water around here nice and uh now i'm trying to think like my my aunt and uncle live on battle lake on west battle lake and uh there's like a state park right north of there that Mm -hmm. has a glendalo there we go yep that's what i was looking Mm -hmm. for and now if i remember right that had some like special regulations like no motorized boat like no motors on there i don't know if you can use the electric ice augers or not if you got to use hand augers is there is there a lot of like regulated lakes up there as well there's a few but yes i know exactly annie battles the one you're talking annie battle there we go yep yeah, right in Glendalo. So there's no electronics, no motors, no no anything like that. So you're literally like, you know, paddling in and just kind of, you know, figuring it out the old school way before they had electronics. You know what I mean? So, and and there are some really nice fish in there if a guy's willing to to put in the time and and figure it out. There's there's definitely some nice fish in there. But yeah, yeah I mean, Ottertail County, we do have some lakes that are like that. I mean, not not a ton. I would say the thing you're gonna see a lot in Ottertail County is, is reduced panfish limits, right? So yep. especially with like the bluegills, you know, on, you know, Minnesota state limits 20, all the big bluegill lakes in Ottertail County pretty much got reduced to either five or 10. Okay. Um, and that's all happened within the last two to three years. Yep. With that quality bluegill initiative. Exactly. Yep. yep. Nice. And it's, it's, uh, it, uh, really, like I said, it's like pretty much all the, all the lakes up here that hold, you know, your, your true trophy class bluegills, I would say, are are pretty much in that five or ten category. Nice. And well, one nice thing about that too is it keeps some of them people away that you know well, we can only go there and keep five, you know. So why go there? I want to go and keep twenty of them. So let's go to this Absolutely. lake. So I, I mean, and then that's what happens, and that's I mean, it helps benefit the lake and the ecosystem. So absolutely and that's that's part of the reason they do it and it's it's it it works too i mean if you look at the stats behind it all it it uh it definitely works definitely works you know from what i've read on those stats too it seems like you know on the lakes that they go down to 10 you're you're you maintain that that good average right and uh, i think the ones that they're 
dropping down to five, you can almost, you know, if you look at the long term, you can almost see that average increase, you know what I mean? So it's it's definitely a good program. It definitely works. I mean, I, we can see it um, firsthand. You know, if you talk to any one of my guides, you they would tell you the same thing, that we can see it um, just by fishing these lakes, you know, day in and day out, you know, year after year. We're seeing the we're seeing the size um, maintain itself, you know what I mean? Some of these some of these lakes that hold these big bluegills, you know, once they start putting these special regulations in there, you know, before you'd, you'd see declines, you know, each year, but now they seem to hold, you know, they're maintaining their size structure year in and year out. So, and again, it's, it's pretty early. It's like I said, it's a new thing within the last five years, but again, like I said, I think it's nothing but, but good things. So. Yep. Now, now let's uh, rewind a little bit, Jesse. Uh, so, so when did you start fishing? Fishing always been a big part of your life, or is it something that came on later in life? Um, I grew up actually growing up. Both of my grandpas, you know, on both sides of my, you know, but my mom's dad, my dad's dad, both were huge fishermen. So, um, they actually, I grew up whether it was going with one side or the other side. We, were, I was usually out fishing with my grandpas. So. Um, both of them played a huge factor in, in, uh, in getting me into, you know, into the sport of fishing and, and, uh, I've loved it ever since. So, and that, and that was all right there, uh, you know, in, in Otter Tail County. It was, yep. Yep. My nice. grandpa lived in Parker's Prairie, just 15 minutes here from Henning and my, my other grandpa lived right here in Henning. So nice. I grew up fishing all these lakes and, uh, yeah. And we had a lake cabin. So my grandpa would always bring me out there and I had a little, you know, I mean, ever since I was probably 12 or 13, I had this little 14-foot boat with a, I don't know, I think I started with even a three-horse Johnson, you know, or, or seahorse. It was a three-horse seahorse, I guess they called it. And uh, I used to take that out every night by myself since I was 12, you know, just going out and fishing. And, and uh, you know, and this thing was so old that, like, you know, you didn't, you didn't turn the throttle on the handle. It had a lever on the on the actual motor that you slid over for the throttle to, you know, to go faster. Yep. So nice. it was super old, but you know what? It worked and it got me, you know, it may, it took me about a half hour to get over across the lake to where I wanted to fish, but you know, I did it. And, but you got uh, hell yeah, you were out there. That's right. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it just kept building as I grew older and I just always loved fishing. Nice. Do you have one story, you know, when, when you were out there, you said 12 years old or whatever, do you have just one story that really sticks with you or, or one moment that really sticks with you from back, uh, uh, when you were fishing at a young age? Um, you know, I, 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 I guess I remember one time I was probably about that 12 years old or something. I was out with a buddy. So I had my buddy with me and we were out fishing bass or whatever on my lake and i had caught this really nice bass and and i was young and i didn't really know but i thought i had the biggest bass in the world you know so i am screaming and hollering the whole way the whole boat ride back to our cabin you know and and uh we get close and my family members think something tor- you know horrible has happened because <laughs> i'm screaming as i'm coming off the lake you know and i get up there and my neighbors and my neighbor comes out and he takes a look at it and and he's like, oh, that's a nice bass. You know, that's probably, you know, I'm thinking it's like six pounds, seven pounds. I'm thinking this thing's major, you know, and it's only like three pounds, you know. But either way, I, I just remember, you know, being so excited and so thinking this thing was so huge. But then 
in reality it wasn't you know i mean it was big back then for you know as a kid or whatever yep. but thinking back you know there's obviously there's a lot bigger bass but as like as a young kid i just remember being so stoked about that fish you know what i mean and and thinking it was the biggest one ever but and it didn't end up being but it was it was still something that i, I remember i guess so. yeah i think it was a six pounder <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah i think it, it was six like one. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i yep. have small hands yeah <laughs> So, so did you stay living in Henning uh, then ever, ever since you were a little kid, or, or uh, did you move around at all? So pretty much, yeah. So I lived in Henning, grew up in Henning. Um, I went to college in St. Cloud, and then I had I actually had a corporate job, you know, right out of right out of college that I did for about ten years, and then I was able to actually move back up to Henning. And uh, when I had the opportunity, I jumped on it. And then once I moved up here, that's when I started guiding and. And, uh, then yeah, the rest is history, I guess it's been, it's been a fun ride since then. Yeah. So, so how long have you been guiding? Uh, we're going on, um, I actually just looked at it. We're going on almost eight years now. Okay. Nice. And are, are you, are you full-time now or do you still have a secondary job? Yep. Yep. Full-time year round. Yeah. We're full-time year round. And then, um, got a handful of guides that work for me too. So we stay, we do quite a bit of trips year in, year out and, uh, we stay pretty busy. So. Um, and then part of that is, like I said, having all the options of all these lakes, you know, so. Now, now, I mean, 99% of the guide trips you're taking out are fur panfish, I'm assuming. Yes. Yep. I would say that's pretty accurate. You know, I do have a walleye guide on my team. So if we do get the walleye request, he kind of takes care of that. And then one of my guides, he kind of does everything. So, I mean, if we do get a bass request or a Northern request or something, uh, you know, out of the usual, um, he takes a lot of those trips. So, um, so we, I, I tell guys we can do it all. I mean, I guess not muskies. We're not set up for muskies, but anything else we can primarily do. Um, it's just most of my most of my guides are kind of geared towards the the big panfish, you know. Nice. Now, do you guys get the majority of your trips? The guys want to come up there and they want to just chase the big panfish, or do you also have, you know? you know maybe 50 percent of your trips are guys that just want to come up there and get a limit of bluegills uh we get a little bit of both honestly i mean we got the hardcore guys that 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 may be able to just go get their eater fish by themselves but you know at, at their home lake and they want to come and chase giants or trophies with us you know and then we get the guys that just want to come up and and uh, put a bag in the freezer and and they want to come up and just get their limits and so we get a little bit of both you know and which which kind of makes it uh nice for us so we're not doing the same thing day in and day out you know some days we are chasing the trophies and some days we are just loading up the live well you know what i mean so it just really depends on the customer um but we get it we have a good mix of of both let's put it that way and we have some guys that literally don't want to keep a fish you know what i mean so they right. just catch and release all day too and that's great too so it's um we get we see it all honestly um we get a little bit of everything well that's probably why it's nice to have so many lakes is that then you you know you can kind of be like oh these guys they want numbers and i'm sure you got lakes that are more numbers lakes and then you got your lakes where you know you're going to target the big ones absolutely yeah right exactly yep that's uh that's the nice thing about having the options is uh you know you're not going to take the guy that wants to meat hunt to your trophy spot you right. know what i mean yeah. so it's yep. it, it's kind of one of those things but uh um yeah we we can we can do it all though so depending on what guys want we're we're able to accommodate so i so i gotta ask uh speaking of trophies what, what's the what's the biggest bluegill you've ever had a client catch um like a right just right at like just close to two pounds just under like a pound 14 
Okay, and and inches wise, where where you at there? That was like eleven, and but just over eleven three quarters. Wow, like just under twelve. That's a that's a freak. What is that? Is that bigger than yours? Or, or what? Yes, what's your... I have not caught that big. Are you asking me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I've not. Yeah, I have not caught that big. I haven't even got that close. Like honestly, I think my biggest is maybe like a pound, maybe a pound ten, pound eleven, somewhere in there. I'd have to really look back at, you know, I keep a log book and everything like that. So I'd have to look back, but I think it's like somewhere right in that pound 10, pound 11. So I've actually had a handful of customers beat that. Okay. Um, obviously we don't see that all the time and we actually haven't seen one that big in, a, in quite a while, but, um, um, it, it has happened. And, uh, so there are a handful of ones that have, that have caught bigger than me, but, um, um, yeah, there's it's it's crazy the bluegills here and how big they can grow and the potential that they have, you know. Yep. Yeah. So so in the bluegill world, you know, d- down here I'm always focused on inches. Uh, you know, if if it's ten inch bluegill, by golly, that's a monster. But uh, you know, I I'm just understanding from you, you're you're more of a weight guy. You know, I I say this. So we once you get over ten inches. We kind of, us, you know, um, we kind of switch over to weight being kind of the, the catch-all, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and the reason I say that mm-hmm. is because body dynamics in a fish change completely after 10 inches, right? So, like, you you know, just it depends on how fat they are. You, you could have a 10-inch fish that weighs um, well over a pound, or you could have a 11-inch fish that just weighs a pound, you know what I mean? It, it all just depends on you know, how fat and how tall and, uh, you know, it's just, I, I've seen it vary so much after usually. So on a, on a given, you know, just a golden rule, 10 inches equals a pound, right? Um, you're not going to get a pound until you hit about 10 inches. Um, and so after 10 though, it just seems like it varies so much, you know, um, you could have, like I said, you could have a 11 incher that weighs uh, a pound and a half, or you could have an 11 incher that weighs, um, a pound you know so it just it just it just varies in that so we kind of go off weight once we hit 10 pounds okay yeah and i think scott and i kind of realized that last year when uh dave gens was down here fishing with us and uh we're you know we all just have our measuring boards and stuff like that and he pulls out the scale and it's yep, just like the scale of the yeah, basket yep, yep and it's just like bring it over here put it on there and you know we never really thought like thought that and it's just like it makes a ton of sense now. I mean, it's like you yeah. get you get some fish that I mean, we've we've caught them before where it's like, ah, oh, that fish, you know, it looks kind of skinny, but you know, we'll throw it on the measuring board, and it's almost to ten inches, and we're like, holy buckets! Like I'd never thought it was right. ten inches, and we get other ones that are just like, oh my god, this thing's look, this thing's got to be twelve inches, and you put it on the board, and it's like nine and a half, but it's so thick, and I mean, tall. I mean, so we got to start weighing them more, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. Yep, I always keep my scale and my basket and my boat at all times. I don't weigh them as much in the wintertime, but we're, we focus, I mean, you know, summertime's where we really catch our, our biggest of the bigs is, is through open water, you know. And don't get me wrong, we catch big bluegills through the winter too, um, but your, your true giants are typically coming in open water for mm-hmm. us. Well, I'm going on Amazon the second we get off the phone with you, and I'm getting myself a scale just to prove that I'm a real <laughs> panfish dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, we wish we would have had one last year about yeah, this time. Yeah, yeah. So. 
Yeah, Matt. Yeah, Matt. they're handy to have, you know what I mean? And it's 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 nice to be able to say, okay, this is how much this one weighed, do you know what I mean? So Yeah. Yeah. Uh so so let's talk a little bit about uh, early ice. You know, I know for you I think uh, uh I think Kyle Lynn was over fishing with you like freaking the day after Thanksgiving and obviously then kind of everything went to hell and and now I think you guys are kind of starting to get some ice back and I think you've been doing guide trips for a week or so, haven't you? Oh, longer than that. Yeah, Have we you? Start, so we so we started December 1st. So okay. we've actually been going for a full solid month now. Okay. Um so you never Luckily, did lose your ice when when everyone else kind of did. No, so like so just to kind of sum it up, you know, we we started December 1st, which already is is already behind schedule for us, right? So we're yep. normally this is the first year that we didn't start trips in November. Typically, we're starting trips Black Friday every every year, you know. Okay. Um usually the week before Thanksgiving, we're able to walk on somewhere, we'll start scouting. And then we take customers starting Black Friday. Well, this year is the first year we had to push those trips back and uh, didn't able to get a good start until December 1st. But then once we got a start, uh, we've been rolling ever since. So luckily, luckily we had a few lakes that, that really made some ice early on. Okay. Um, and leading up until this little last, like the rain and the warm spell between Christmas and New Year's, I mean, we got up to... I would say 10, 11 inches on oh, some wow. of them, and I would say on average, a lot of the lakes around here, you know, th- that was like the smallest ones were at like 11 inches, but I would say the majority of them were, and don't get me wrong, some of the big ones still had some open water on it, but I'm right. just saying the majority of them, and all the ones that we were fishing and testing the waters on all had eight eight inches on average, you know nice. what I mean? Well, so we had, a, we had a solid base um, going into Christmas. And then, and then obviously, you know, Christmas happened and then we got the three or four days straight of rain. We got three inches of rain up here. Um, and that really ate up a lot of ice, right? It ate up some shorelines. Um, I'd say we lost probably three, three and a half inches on average on all lakes with the rain. Um, but again, when we had 11 or, you know, eight to 11 to start, when we lose three, we're still at five or six, you know what I mean? So we're, we were still able to fish through it. Um, like I said, some of the shorelines got a little soft. Um, some of them even opened up a little bit where we had to jump over a foot of water just to get onto the good ice again. Um, and, but we were able to, like I said, there were, we were able to luckily be lucky that the lakes that we were fishing stayed fishable and, uh, we've been able to carry trips through on. So right now, like I said, um, we're getting back to where we're prior to christmas we're sitting at eight inches on average on a lot of our lakes and then uh, 11 on some of the smaller ones that have been froze over the earliest you know so i'm taking my wheeler on a lot i'm not saying that you should on all of them but on the ones that we're fishing um we're starting to take wheelers and um i would say that we're pretty much looking at getting some of our sleepers out next week so things are starting to shape up nicely i mean we got um our, our nights are getting cold, so that's nice. Or dropping below freezing, let's put it that way. Yeah. And even even next week, I see two days there where our lows are below zero and our highs are only like six or seven. So we're gonna make some really good ice those days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hopefully we don't get long. any. Hopefully we don't get any major amounts of snow in between there. Right. Exactly. It doesn't look like it, and that's the nice thing. We don't have any snow on our lakes, right? So um, it's a catch twenty two, right? So. The nice thing is that we're going to make ice as soon as, as soon as we drop below 
freezing, we're making ice, you know, there's nothing insulating it and we're making good ice too. So, um, but the catch all is, you know, with no snow, those fish are spooky, you know what yeah. I mean? So you, yeah. got, you don't got anything to cloud them or shade them up. So, I mean, um, when we do get on them, you know, we're only on them for a little bit and they're spooking out of there. So it's, uh, it's a lot of running and gunning, but we are catching some really nice fish too. So nice. Now, now obviously I'm assuming that you're, uh, you know, running, uh, probably a forward-facing sonar, uh, um, you know, to, to find these fish. But uh, what are some of the things uh, early on in the year that uh, um, that you're looking for uh, when when you're chasing these trophy gills? I mean, what what if if you're going onto a lake, where are you going to start? Are you trying to find uh, existing weeds, or what what are you doing? I'm pretty much, yeah, I'm, 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 you know, um, I'm a big cabbage guy. So the first thing I'll look for is, is really green cabbage if I can find it and, and see where the weed lines are and what that, what the edges look like. And, and that's where I'll start, you know, and if I'm not seeing much in the weeds, you know, um, then I'll start pushing out into a little bit deeper water, pushing those basins a little bit. But typically if I'm bluegill searching strictly, I'm hanging more towards the weeds, you know, as opposed to if I'm crappie fishing, you know, then I'm, then I'm searching basins and I'm pushing basins and stuff like that. So, um, but if you're talking strictly for bluegills starting out, I'm going to hit the cabbage right away. Uh, I'm going to run the run the cabbage line just see what i can see and like i said if there's nothing up in the cabbage then i'll start pushing to the edge and pushing out a little bit deeper even so sorry are you and then then obviously there's humps and and holes and edges of that that you can go check out too so but but the first place i'd start would be cabbage so are you just drilling a pile of holes and then you know kind of having your clients hop from hole to hole or are you setting them down and letting the fish come to them or or what's what's your normal tactic that way um are we talking bluegills? Are we talking crappies? Are we talking bluegills? Yeah, bluegills. Well, 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 we'll we'll go both. Okay, so typically, so um, crappies, we're we're running, gunning, we're chasing them down. So um, we're drilling, we're throwing the live scope down. You know, we're scanned out 120 feet. We're seeing where they're at, or we're we're drilling until we find them, seeing where they're at, and then we're drilling right on top of those fish. You know what I mean? And, uh, and those customers are pretty much just following the auger. You know, as soon as the auger's done drilling, those customers know that that auger's going to be on fish, right? So um, as soon as he's done drilling, those customers are dropping in on those fish, you know. Um, and then sometimes they're moving so fast that we'll just have to try to catch them ahead of, you know, go yep. ahead of them yep. and, and drill ahead of them. And, and you just got to play that game. That's a nice thing about the, the forward-facing sonar, right? You get to see the fish. You get to see their movements, see what they're doing, see where they're going. Um, see how fast they're moving. Um, so you can kind of play that, but a lot of times we're just, we're chasing them. We'll see them. We'll drill right on top of them. And, and, uh, some days they don't even move. And then other days, you know, you catch two or three and now all of a sudden they're 20 feet over that way or 30 feet over that way. And we're just kind of doing the same thing. We'll run over there, drill right on top of them, um, drop our lines down, catch a few, and then they move, just follow them when they move, you know? So, um, crappies that's typically what we're doing bluegills if we can do the same thing that's what we're doing um you know if they're not buried in those weeds if they're if they're moving around we'll just spot them with our live scope and uh and chase them down that way if they are buried in the cabbage yeah we'll just open up a bunch of holes and let our guys just hole hop you know until they find them so a little bit of both so we we kind of do both um you know we're 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 not um 
you know, we used to back in the day when, when I first started guiding, you know, years ago or not years ago, but like, you know, seven, eight years ago, you know, we used to just set up the hubs, set people down, wait for the fish to come through. If they didn't come through and, you know, half hour, then we move them over 15, 20 feet. You know what I mean? Just do that game. You know what I mean? And, uh, and now with, with obviously electronics and, and everything else, you know, keeping up with, with the game, you, it, it, it keeps you more mobile. Let's put it that way. Yep. So, yep. um, we've, we, we, we don't sit down in the shacks too often. We use our, we use our, we use our shacks more as warming shacks than anything. Yeah. You know, right. you know yeah. now, nowadays we're just running and gunning on the ice. And then if guys get cold, they'll run into the shack, warm up for a little bit, and then they'll come back out and run behind the live scope again. So, um, that's kind of what we're doing nowadays. What kind of, what kind of like, tactics are you using like lures and stuff like that you guys using some like an aggressive presentation or just letting the fish kind of tell you what they want a little bit of both i mean obviously you always got to read the fish but you know typically for bluegills i mean we're just using our you know five millimeter tungsten jig with tipping it with waxies or plastics or whatever we're using that day but you know i've you know i'm not gonna lie um i use a lot more probably live bait for bluegills you know waxies spikes um for bluegills and then crappies it's all plastics you know i mean it's nothing but plastics when we're switching over to crappies and then we're we're either using those same jigs that we're using for the bluegills just like a five millimeter tungsten and just putting a mackie plastic on it or um using a pinhead we use pinheads quite a bit too so yeah, I feel like I feel like you guys can kind of get away with that up there, uh, you know, like a pinhead for a bluegill. Down here, you know, we we fish predominantly over uh, in Okaboji, you know, super clear water, and and the thought of using a big pinhead on the bluegills there at Okaboji is like holy moly. I'm not saying that you know there's certain days where you know hell they'll they'll do anything, but most of the days, you know, it's it's downsizing a tungsten until it's like oh man, you know, any smaller, and and there ain't a jig there, and and uh, uh, you know, to, to hear these people that talk about, you know, pinheads and uh, chasing bluegills is, is almost wild to me. What about for crappies though? Do you use them for the crappies down there? Yeah, I think you definitely could. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah. You, I mean, they'll, there's some nights and sometimes, I mean, especially in that feeding window where like the aggressive presentations like that, but sometimes it still seems like those crappies, you got to drop down to even a, you know, the, the three mil to the four mil tungsten jig is what they really want a lot of the times really oh yeah. yeah it's 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 really wild and you know the plastics same tactics kind of you know more plastics for the crappies down here um the bluegill i mean you can you can catch them on plastics but i mean some days it's you know they want more meat than they want want the plastics and everything yeah when you were talking about wax worms man you were speaking to me that that's my <laughs> deal <laughs> That's, your, that's, your, that's it. That's your jam. Yep, yep. What you 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 uh do you, do you have any colors that you just you you swear by? No, I'm probably I'm probably the least color oriented guy that that you'll meet. You know what I mean? Like um, that's probably and then honestly, that's probably the one question I get asked the most on guided trips. You know what color, right? Um, and and a lot of times I'll just say it don't matter, right? And 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 don't get me wrong there are times where it does matter maybe a little bit and 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 whatever but um a lot of times i don't really pay a whole lot of attention to color i just use the same colors i normally use right so my thoughts on it too are this like um there's days right where the fish are just neutral right and you're 
you're, you're switching colors and you're switching colors and and you might spend the next hour switching different colors and all of a sudden you bang you find one that will work right well <clears throat> i guess it in in what i've done in the past is typically if we run into those neutral fish and they're just not biting we'll a lot of times instead of spending an hour switching out our jigs to different colors and figuring out which one's going to coax this fish this neutral fish into biting a lot of times we'll just leave those fish right we'll go find more aggressive fish or we'll go try to find more aggressive fish and and then once you find those aggressive fish it won't matter what color you have on they're going to bite it you know what i mean so um i guess a lot of times when we get stuck in that slump and you got fish that won't bite instead of searching for different colors a lot of times we're just moving on and finding different pods of fish um does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 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 Yep, yep. So I'm probably, and, and like I said, you might ask 10 other guides, and, and, and those 10 other guides will probably tell you that color makes a huge difference, and this is what you got to use, and this is the right color, and, and, and this and that. But honestly, me, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it. I'm just more focused on finding um, the right pods of fish, you know what I mean? So um, like I said, I'd, I'd rather spend an hour drilling holes and finding the right fish, scoping, um, rather than tying on new lures so um that's just how we do it i guess but um i'm not saying it's right or wrong yep now i think you know you, you talked about finding a group of fish that you know just flat out isn't biting you know whatever uh and i think traditionally a lot of people would just be like yep they're not biting today you know must be the pressure system or you know got to go and try a completely different lake or whatever uh how, how far normally do you feel like you really have to travel uh, you know, to find a group of, of more aggressive fish. I mean, can you find aggressive fish 20 yards away or, or is it you're moving to a completely different part of the lake? Um, I would say that sometimes, sometimes both. I mean, there are days where you do short movements, you know, um, sometimes make the difference in the world, you know, but other days, you know, you might be traveling to the other side of the lake. I guess I yep. start by just leaving those fish and, and, and I'll start just by walking away from those guys and just trying to find the next school I can find. Right. And, and test those out. And if all those fish around that area seem to be neutral, that's when we'll jump on the wheeler and say, let's just get out of Dodge. Let's go to another part of the lake. Let's work some different structure and let's see if those fish are different. Right. Yeah. Um, so, um, but initially, you know, I'll make sure, um, before I move out of an area completely, um, a lot of times, you know, I'll try to find another school nearby and just see if they're a little bit more active or, or if they're in the same mood then we'll then we'll kind of pick up and and move you know what i mean to the next structure that you know what i mean so um so i guess i don't some some days it's short movements and other days it's it's big movements and some days it's a whole nother lake you yep. know what i mean yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. that's the beauty that's the beauty of having a thousand forty eight lakes i mean we got 10 lakes within five miles of each other you know what i mean so um if one's not biting you can drive five miles to the next lake yeah, and, just and, go across uh, the road <laughs> right, right exactly yeah. yeah and don't get me wrong so this county we're, we're kind of a bigger county right um so there are parts of the county where you might drive half hour and not see a lake and you're like how does this county have 1048 lakes right but then you get to the other side of the county and now you're now every half mile you got a lake on either side of the road you know yeah. what i mean so it just there's there's different parts of the county that are that are lake heavy but i would say as a whole there's lakes everywhere around here so nice 
Now, now I want to talk a little bit about your rod and reel setup. Um, you know, obviously everyone has, you know, a different preference. Some people like a, a long rod, some people like a short rod, you know, some people are, you know, power noodle people, Every, everyone's a little bit different, but, but I mean, what is, what is Jesse Thalman's go-to, uh, panfish rod? You know, I like a longer rod. So, okay. um, I would say that I don't fish with anything shorter than generally a 32 inch, um, all the way up to, um, all the way up to 40, you know what I mean? Okay. Or 42 or even longer, you know what I mean? But I would say the majority of the time, if you looked at my arsenal, um, and, and let's say I have 10 rods laying there, I would say that probably seven, seven of them are going to be 32 inches. You know, okay. I mean? if we're talking ice fishing, yep. um, yep. Seven of them are going to be 32. And then I might have a couple that are 40 and 42 and, and whatnot, but, and, and, and an ultralight a power noodle or what do you, pretty much of them all are all are ultralights yeah um so you know i uh i kind of have a mixture of a lot of different brands i'm not really i i i used to be uh i used to have rod sponsors and uh last year um i i kind of split with my last one and now just pretty much i'm just doing whatever i want just freestyling it yeah so i kind of got a mixture of a little bit of everything honestly And, uh, so I wouldn't say that, I don't know that there's one specific one that I use the most, um, but, uh, but definitely always going to generally like a 32 inch noodle or something like that, you know, okay. um, is typically what I'm using. Um, and as far as reels goes, I'm not, I'm not real, uh, I don't, I don't have the big fancy reels. Let's put it that way. I use a lot of the, um, I guess if you look at my, my guide arsenal, um, there's a lot of just, you know, Shimano's, um, I can't even think of the, the ones that I have on there, but I got, you know, I got, I kind of got a mixture of them too. I got some Shimano's, I got some Pflugers, I got some Daiwa's, you know, so I got a kind of a mixture of everything. I'm not real brand specific. Let's put it that way. Yep. And, and those you, you predominantly are, are a spinning rod guy or a spinning, am, a spinning reel. I am. Yes. Yep. I am. And then I know some of these pan, uh, some of these bluegill guys, these hardcore bluegill guys, would be shaking their head at me. But uh, I've I I used so like when the inlines became real popular, and uh, I switched all my rods over to the inlines at first, and then I just uh, just didn't really like them, and I I had a, I think I had a few issues with them at first, you know, and the and the ratios weren't good back then, you know what I mean? Like yep. it was all just one to one when they first came out, you know, so. I just uh, ended up switching back to spinning, and uh, I've pretty much been doing that ever since. Yeah, you got to stick with what works and what's comfortable to to you. I mean, right, right, yeah. And and and, and as far as customers goes, you know, um, that's what most of them are used to using. Yeah. So that's just yeah. why we keep it that way. A nice so, thing about them too is that you can, you know, whether they reel with their left hand or right hand, you can always swap the handles and do all that stuff real fast. Exactly. Whereas, some of them other reels it's like well this is what you get yep. so let's you're, gonna... right, you're stuck with it yep, yeah exactly well and also you're dealing with customers and a lot of times you know uh gear gear can kind of get abused broken and, <laughs> <laughs> like when you're guiding and everything like that so i mean you're not going to be out there with all kinds of top end stuff and everything like that Right, exactly. I yeah. remember, I remember when those thirteen uh, free falls came out. I bought one of those, like that that ghost one, the white one, 
and uh, I thought, holy moly, like this, I'm, I'm going to catch so many damn fish with this. And I brought it out two times and I sold that son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, honestly, I think that's the one I started out with too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm not knocking it because there's people that love it, like whatever, you know, but I, I was just so dead set in my mind that that was just the coolest thing in the whole entire world because it had that trigger on it and whatnot. <laughs> and yeah, uh, right. I freaking bought that thing and I, 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 it was heavy, and I just didn't like the way it fit in my hand. And it was and you like had to reel like eighty million times yep. to get it up in ten feet of water. Yeah, it just I mean, it was like, good God, this thing is freaking hot garbage. And 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 uh, if there's a thirteen person listening, like I I'm sorry. Like I said, there's a lot of people that like it. It just wasn't for me. But uh, yeah, that that was the end of that. And I I got all spinning stuff, and I ain't going back. Scott 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 likes to set his drag really light. So every time, so every time he sets the hook, all we we're all like sitting around, and all of a sudden you'll just hear, Zzz! and it's like, oh, good one, and all of a sudden like a four inch gill will come flying out of the hole, and it's just like, holy buckets, man. Yeah, well, it's it's fun. Every single time is a battle. Every single time. <laughs> it's, it's a drag screamer. Now, now another thing that I remember about you, Jesse, uh, uh, we did a panfish uh, panel. Uh, you and I and Craig Euler and I don't remember who else was on that at the at the Dakota Angler Ice Institute oh, like yeah. two and years was ago. Don Cox on there. Don I was think on he there. was. Yep. Yeah. God, what a yep. crew! <laughs> Boy, everyone was looking at me up there like, "Who the hell is this freaking clown?" But uh, uh, whatever the case, I uh, was. Yeah, I know damn well you were. Like, I don't care. Whatever, fake it till you make it. I was there. But uh, uh, whatever the case, uh, I remember uh, you and I were the only two that ran monofilament line. You still doing that i still am yeah hell yeah um, I, I would say i'm the majority of them yep especially with with customers and everything like that yeah i uh i have uh mono on on probably 90 percent of my pole god mono line spinning reels wax worms son of right, a gun i'm just going against the narrative i was here. gonna say it's like i don't know how you're like i don't know how you're catching all these bluegills i know I mean, how you're geez, catching them i mean come <laughs> on yeah right. you've got it figured out and everybody no says you're supposed to use this stuff and we all know that Right. No, that's that's the secret sauce right there, and we just we just talked about it right here on this podcast. Uh, it just goes to prove that we all overthink this stuff way too damn much sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. the, these these manufacturers aren't making it to catch fish; they're making it to catch fishermen. Right? Bet your ass so, they are. <laughs> yep. Yep. And they're yep. doing a damn good job of it. So. <laughs> exactly. Yep. <laughs> yep. Now, Jesse, uh, before we let you go, uh, uh, if, if anyone's listening to this and they want to get uh, their chance at uh, catching some trophy trophy panfish up there in your neck of the woods, uh, how would they get a hold of you? Um, they can uh, they can they can give me a call three two zero two nine zero two zero three five. Um, shoot me a message on Facebook. We're really active on Facebook page um, Thalman's Guide Service. Um, look us up, like our page. Um, you can shoot us a message on there, um, or even my personal page, Jesse Thalman. You can shoot me a message there. Um, or, we got an email Thalman's Guide Service at gmail dot com, um, and I think we even have an Instagram too. So check oh, us yeah. out on there. Um, outside of that. Um, easiest way is probably just give me a call you know we can yep. talk it out discuss states and uh all that fun stuff and and get you guys on the calendar so so forgive me for not knowing a ton about uh the otter tail area there but uh lodging i mean is there a lot of lodging in that area or, or is there is, so there is. I mean, 
depending on depending on how nice i mean there's there's plenty of there's plenty of hotel um options in the area and then we we definitely partner with a handful of them to offer some discounted um lodging for our customers and, and then there's you know with all the lakes there's tons of resorts up here now yep. some of them are shut down for the winter um but there are some really nice ones that stay open year-round um that can accommodate we kind of partner um, with Bonnie Beach Resort uh, on Clitheroe Lake, so we have a lot of customers that stay there. We have a play and stay package with them, um, so we got a lot of guys that 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 like that, um, and they're beautiful, nice cabins. Um, and then you got you know you got you got everything in between too, you know. Yep. So um, there are definitely a lot of options. Um, VRBOs are huge around here, just because of all the lakes and everyone's got lake homes, and and some of them don't even use them in the wintertime. So guess what they do? They rent them out. Right? Hell yeah, so, yeah. Yep. So there's 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 definitely a lot of options, and like I said, we partner with a handful of places to to offer discounted lodging options too. So cool. So so now when is, when are you guys all going to start rocking like the beaver skin hats? Like is Mackner going to start like getting all you guys in them or what? Here, <laughs> we, yeah, we should probably talk to Scotty about that. Uh, that, that would be cool. Like all, um, all your guides, like oh, there's the there's the yeah, there's the beaver crew. <laughs> you know what? Maybe that'll be our Christmas card next year. Thomas guides are us all wearing that. beaver hats. Or like, or at least like a coat. Like you got to be like in like like a beaver skin coat, looking like a pimp, <laughs> and the rest of them, you know, they're just your guides and stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah, you, yeah, you, we'll, got, you guys we'll should hang. That. I'll have to talk to Scotty about that. Yeah, he he's got enough beavers. He he can, he can spread <laughs> yeah, it around. Yep, absolutely. That's badass. So, all right, Jesse, uh, we definitely appreciate you for your time and uh, best of luck the rest of the ice season. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. See ya. Yep. And that was Jesse Thelman of Thelman's Guide Service up there in the Otter Tail region. Otter Otter Tail Lakes Lakes Regions County. Otter Tail County. County's Lakes Regions. Otters. Yeah. The Tails. If you want to go up to Fergus Falls, they have a giant otter statue there. Is that in Otter Tail County? Yes. Badass. It is. Fergus it's Falls. Cool. That's yeah. that's fun. It that's is. fun to say. And it's got an otter in it. Good God. I bet you it's got a good bakery, too. Yeah, always. 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 You know, they those little places up there, they're, you know that there's little Give me a cup of coffee and a glazer. And stuff, yeah. And, you know, just like if you're going up there for a lunch. Omelets. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know you're going to walk into somewhere and you're going to be like, all right. I mean, all the locals will kind of stop and look at you. Lady's going to come yeah. and, and take your order. What's her name going to be? Um, Glenda. I Glenda. think she's Glenda. Yeah. And, and it's going to be on one of them green order pads. Yeah, for sure. With the number you know, up on the top. It, yep. Yeah. And yeah. then she's going to say, what can I get you, hon? <laughs> yes. If she says, hon, you know it's going to be good. <laughs> you know it. I mean, you know it. Like, Speak to me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. It kind of makes you feel at home when that ha- You know that? Like, you're like, yep. you kind of go into a place, you're kind of nervous a little bit. You're like, oh, God, you know, and all of a sudden she comes up and she's like, hey, hon, I, what can I get you? And it's just like. You look at her like, and you, right. you just got a fat tip. <laughs> yep. 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 So. Hon, God dang it. Yep, that's fun. That's that is fun. Cool area up there. Yep. I've I've had the privilege of being up there a few times. Nice. So. Never have. Never have. We'll have to get up there. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think with that, uh, did you see that the Masters Walleye Circuit put out their schedule for the year? They did. They yes. did. What do we got? Um, March twenty second, twenty third. They're going to Spring Valley, Illinois, to the Illinois River because it seems like that's where it always starts. Yep. Uh, after that, April 26th and 27th, going to be out in Chamberlain, uh, okay. Lake Francis Case, 
Um, May 31st and June 1st, they'll be in Oshkosh, Wisconsin uh, at Lake Winnebago. The 28th and 29th of June, they'll be in Augre, Michigan on Lake Huron. Good job with the pronunciation. Yeah, it's probably I wouldn't wrong. have had it. I it's wouldn't have had wrong, it. wrong, but uh, I think it's close. Yeah. Just, you know, say it with confidence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> July 12th and 13th. There's people living there that are like, like, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, have we been saying it wrong the whole time? Damn right you have been. <laughs> uh, they'll be in Geneva, Ohio on Lake Erie, August 9th and 10th. They'll be up in Webster, South Dakota at Bitter Lake. Really? Yep, September thirteenth oh. and fourteenth, Cass Lake. Good God, I did, I did not know that they had this many dates. Yeah, neither did I. Started, until I started looking at it, two thousand twenty-four Walleye or the World Walleye Championship is September twenty-sixth and twenty-third or twenty-sixth through twenty-eighth in Alpena, Michigan, on Lake Huron. Okay, and they have announced the two thousand twenty-five. It's already hard to believe that we're already talking about something on two thousand twenty-five when we're two days into two thousand twenty-four, but. The 2025 World Walleye Championship will be October, and it will be in Alexandria, Minnesota on the Lahamadou chain, which kind of surprises me. Really? Not a very big lake? Well, it's a chain of lakes, but like I've never heard of a lot of... I've heard of a lot of bass tournaments on there, but not okay. for walleye tournaments. Well, we'll figure out what they're made of. Yeah. I think that that's... Uh, um, a smaller field, uh, you yeah, know, you got to yeah. qualify for the championship, so you're not going to throw a ton of boats out there if it is a little bit smaller. But, um, yeah, either way, it's cool thing for that area, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. So uh, that's that schedule. And uh, was there one know, other thing that we said we were going to talk about? Or I'm just I'm just flying right in. Uh, I think that, I don't know if, if in my mind I'm just thinking Freedom Brew and. Well, then let's get to it. All right, all right. Uh, good news stories brought to you by Freedom Brew in Larchwood, Iowa. If you've ever been there, you know what we're talking about. It's the absolute best coffee shop that there is. Um, if you're coming through, uh, if you're coming into Sioux Falls on I-90 from the Minnesota area, um, when you hit the Manly exit, drop south uh, five miles, you get right in there to Larchwood, Iowa. Um, yeah, I'm telling you, it'll be worth your time. It, it's definitely worth your time. It's it's me and dog, my dog Finley approved. That's right. You uh, you got some today. I did get some today. That's why I'm a little like jacked up here. I guess yeah. I don't know. What'd I you get? Me, I had me a Freedom Buzz. Oh yeah, you're gonna Damn like that. Good. That's got some honey on the yep. top. Uh, maybe a little, a little honey cinnamon. And vanilla, yep, and a little yep. cinnamon on there. Oh yeah, I've been a Freedom Buzzer. I don't know. Every time I, you know, like I'm not a big coffee guy. Bullshit. But every, you're every getting time to be. I, every you're time to be. I go. Every time I go over there. I get a new favorite drink. Yep. yep. I mean, you can't go wrong. I mean, it from the coffee to the Lotus Energy drinks. I mean, to the tea, ice cream, <laughs> ice cream, mini donuts, pup cups. I mean, Finley down her pup cup like it was going out of style. Yep. So that's what I'm talking about. I oh, like yeah. that. Definitely stop into Freedom. That's Brew a good news story chance. in itself. Hey, damn right it is. Freedom Brew is a good news story in itself. Uh, my my good news story this week. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna. Shout out to uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, what did we lose? 35 to freaking zero. zero. It was embarrassing. Yep, it was. But uh, the neatest part about that is that Brian Ferentz is no longer the offensive coordinator for the Iowa Hawkeyes. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, you know, I got to admit, uh, going into the game, I was kind of like, you know, maybe we're maybe we're too hard on Brian, you know. 
maybe I'm wrong and, you know, kind of like, man, you know, I really feel bad for Kirk, you know, going to be the last game that he coaches with his son and this and that and whatever. And, and, uh, you know, just, just playing through all this stuff in my head, like, you know, you only got to win by one, you know, winning three to nothing still the same as winning 65 to nothing and whatnot. And then that damn game started and I'm like, screaming profanities at the TV <laughs> that we need a new offensive coordinator. So, you know, he's coming and, and uh, whatever. Uh, if uh, if the old man doesn't want to get the damn thing revamped to, uh, maybe he's got to go to. I, I hate to say it. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think he is a great human being. I think he does a really good job at, at making, you know, players, you know, good husbands and good, you know, good fathers and, and good sons and whatever. But, uh, um he turns out he's actually a football coach, and uh, um, there's this guy named Kalen DeBoer who's actually from uh, the state of South Dakota that's out there at Washington that uh, I believe is also probably making good sons and good good husbands and good fathers uh, out of these men, and uh, he's winning some damn football games. So uh, that my, my good news story is going to actually be for Kalen DeBoer, uh, South Dakota dude doing big things. Um, yeah. Yeah. That whole staff. Yeah, the two it's, two of the other dudes, uh, USF graduates, also I believe. Yep, Chuck Morrell is the co-defensive coordinator out there. He was the defensive coordinator when Kalen was the offensive coordinator and the head coach, and then uh, Grub, the offensive coordinator. Uh, one of the cool things about those guys is Grub got actually offered the Alabama offensive coordinator job this year. Shut up. Yeah, at the end of last year, Nick Saban called him up, said, "I want you to come to Alabama," and. He stayed loyal and wanted to stay with that coaching staff. That's the cool thing about that staff is they've gone to like Eastern Michigan together. Um, Indiana. Indiana. Where they at? Kalen DeBoer was at Indiana. Yeah, he was the offense coordinator there for yep. a little while. But then, uh, then they went. I think they all came back together down at Fresno State because I think Chuck went to uh, like Montana Tech or something like that. Okay. It's an AI school. He is the head coach out there. He's a big fly fisherman and really this an outdoorsman and he loved it. That's kind of the cool fact about it. Like the year that I was at USF, I I did video for the football team up there. When oh, really? All the, when all those guys were there. Just regular old dogs with these guys. So actually, you know, like I would video practices and games and stuff. And that was always the, the one thing you always had to do was get morale his tape first. I mean, the dude is the most intimidating guy that you'll ever meet. Really? But if you if you got what you wanted done... He treated you good. Like, my brother was actually playing football at USF when those guys were there his freshman year. And he was in there with me when I was cutting up tape the one day. And Chuck, it was right around, like, Thanksgiving time, I think. And they had some food the coaches did. And Coach Morrell came in, and he was just like, hey, like, you hungry? You need anything? You know, how? You know everything good and everything? And then I was like, no, I'm good. You know, thanks, Coach, and everything like that. And he left, and my brother was, like, looking at me like, like, what the hell was that? <laughs> He's like, like, I've never seen him, like, cordial like that because he's a very intense yep. individual. Yep. And, uh, yeah, another time, though, we were practicing uh, right beside the campus. There's, like, a little open lot, and it was a stormy day, and it was lightning out. And he had rigged up the scaffolding in the back end of his truck so that I could stand up there and videotape. Well, pretty soon he comes up to me, and he's just like, or he, I'm up there videotaping and it's lightning and he comes up there. He's like, like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, get down. I'm like, all right. You Chuck, said so, pal. Chuck told me to get in there. <laughs> Coach Morrell told me to get down. I'm getting down. 
So I got down, and pretty soon one of the other coaches comes up there, and he starts chewing on me, but why aren't you up there videoing and stuff like that? I was like, because Coach Morrell told me not to be up there, and I am listening to Coach Morrell. You're going to go you. bite at his ankle? Yeah, it's like, you're the linebacker coach. You can go, you can go talk to Coach Morrell, okay? So, no, they really are some great dudes. Till, so to see him have this uh, success is, is really awesome. Nice, nice. Uh, my, uh, good news story, I guess, is going to roll into, uh, as you guys are listening to this, this is January 3rd, my dad's last official day of work. Really? Today? Yep. Or tomorrow, Tomo- well, tomorrow, Wednesday, January yep. 30s. Going no in kidding. For, going in for half of a day, turning all this stuff in. He had had plans of going and ice fishing at Okaboji for like three days straight. That obviously isn't happening, but, you know... All these years, like, dad finally gets to retire. That's badass. So, he deserves it. He definitely does. I mean, it's been, I think I've said it on here before, that was like that one thing when everybody's always like, if you won the lottery, what's the first thing you would do? Like, And my brothers and I always said the first thing we'd do if we ever won the lottery is go over there, walk into that place, and go get our dad and say, you're done working. You can tell You can tell him to F off. You know, you're done. Yep. Well, none of us have won the lottery, so, <laughs> so maybe sorry, you will Dad. next week. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I better start yeah. playing it then. Yeah. So uh, that's and then I have one other good news story I had. Uh, I put it on Facebook. You know, the end of Minnesota pheasant opener or pheasant season closed the other day. We were able to get I snuck out after the debacle of a Hawkeye game quick because I needed to shoot something, and um, my friend Greg <laughs> was Luthold, a rooster or yourself, right? <laughs> Uh, Greg Luthold was out there hunting with us. We do a lot of hunting with Greg, but he's the person that I got Finley from my dog and fin- he had to put Finley's mom Jersey down right before hunting season started. She was old and stuff like that. So it was time, but he kind of like with 15 minutes left, we were on our last walk. Rooster got up, he dropped it. Finley went over there, retrieved it and brought it back to him. And at, at the moment, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But then after, you know, we were done hunting, I was kind of driving home. I just kind of thought, wow, you know, what kind of a fitting way to end the season? You know, nope. I don't think he ever got, got to hunt a lot with dogs that Jersey had. So, like, he had always made the comments of, like, he'd always kind of laugh watching Finley. Like, the similarities between her and Jersey were just kind of crazy all the time that he would say. So it's kind of, it was kind of a cool, like little moment for me too. So that's always neat. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Uh, I believe that is episode 248. Uh, As always, we appreciate every single one of you. If, uh, if you can like the, like the show, uh, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, do whatever it is that you do on your platform that you listen to. But uh, either way, uh, that's episode 248, and uh, we will see you next week. I believe, um, I believe we've got somebody that uh, that fell through the ice. Um, we I, I've talked to him a little bit uh, um, the the previous couple days here. Um, a guy that took a side by side through the ice, went all the way down, uh, was in the water for an extended period of time under the ice. Uh, uh, pretty incredible story. Um, so hoping to, uh, hope, hopefully it works, uh, next week to get him on. I do know that, uh, next week, Monday night, I believe is the national championship. 
Uh, I'm thinking it's the national championship. Uh, I also have a school board meeting that evening, so I'm not 100% sure if it will be a Monday night or potentially a Tuesday night uh, recording. Uh, We will cross that road uh, when we get there, but uh, um, that should be a pretty cool episode too when we get that going. Um, But yeah, like I said, either way, uh, we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. Later.